Good evening, everyone. This is a very, I love, this is my favorite time of the year. Holy Triduum. It takes a little while to get kicked off. It's going to be a little bit of pressure. It's a lot of, a lot of moving parts, but kind of once it, get, it gets kicked off, it's just an, it's a, an epic, exciting roller coaster. So I'm, I'm excited to, 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 board, uh, to board it. So kind of to give you an idea on how the Easter Triduum works is it's all really one big liturgy. It starts off with Holy Thursday in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, like we start, like we do begin in Mass. But at the end of this Mass, it's not going to be. There's not going to be a final blessing. There's not going to be a dismissal. It's not, there's not going to be the Mass is ended, go in peace. It's not going to happen. At the end of this Mass, instead, what we're going to have is we're going to be. It's going to be like we're walking with Jesus in the garden. So this Mass is meant to celebrate the Passover feast of the Last Supper. From here, what happens? Jesus goes into the garden. And he ultimately kind of in the garden. That's where he has his agony. And that's where he invites his apostles to come in and do a holy hour with them. You remember, what do the apostles do? They fall asleep. And that's whenever Jesus says, could you not watch one hour with me? Which is why at the end of this Mass, we will have the Blessed Sacrament exposed until midnight. So if you wish to stay till midnight, great. If not, no worries, I'll be here. Uh, so, but it's going to be exposed so that we can join Jesus in, in a holy hour. And then after that, we're going to strip the altar. And tomorrow there won't be a Mass. The only day of the year I don't celebrate Mass. There will not be a single, there won't be a Mass, but instead there will be a commemoration, a veneration of the cross, where we, in our poverty, without the Blessed Sacrament, kind of come to come together and, and without, without the sacrifice of Mass, come together and acknowledge the wood of the cross and venerate the, the, the redemption that came about because Christ submitted himself. But even then there will be no, there will be no dismissal. We will end Mass venerating the cross. And then from there... And only there do we then go and, uh, and into, the, into the Easter Vigil. And so kind of, kind of that's the basic layout of, of kind of what we're going through, what this Easter Triduum is. And what's so interesting about this is, is that this Easter Triduum is deeply rooted in actually an activity that's happening right over, right over there, kind of in, a, in Classroom D. Recently, I did some work with, uh, with Chapman Taylor. We did, we did work uh, and we brought a rabbi from Norfolk. There's only six in the Navy. So as much as we're hurting for Catholic priests, we're even more hurting for rabbis. There's only seven. We brought one of them over. He, he willingly volunteered to come. And he's celebrating what's known as a Seder meal, uh, which basically is a kind of an imitation, if you will, of this Passover feast that is, that is talked about in the Gospel of John. And the reason for that is this whole Passover feast and the whole, I actually attended the Seder meal yesterday just to kind of help out the rabbi and just kind of make sure everything was, was set for him. But, the, but what's interesting about it is they, the, the Seder meal is an imitation of the Passover feast. And it's recalling kind of uh, what, it is, what Passover is. They were calling of the time that the Jews were led out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. And that's what the Passover is. The Passover is that final night, that final night where the Jews are held slaves to the Egyptians. And that final plague where, where God sent the angel of death to wipe out all the firstborn. That kind of final instance where they come together and in order to do what? In order to be preserved, something happens. They have to consume what we heard in our first reading. They had to consume an un blemished lamb. It was the only way they'd be spared from death. It was the only way they were going to survive. By consuming an unblemished lamb in which it was fully roasted, in which not a single bone in its body was broken. 
My dear friends, this was a beautiful benefit to spare them from the impending doom, the impending death that was going to come and wipe out every firstborn in the Egyptians. And they, the Israelites were spared from that. Well, it's no different with us. You see, my friends, what that lamb did was that, kind of, that spared them from death, but the reality is they still suffered natural death, and they still suffered spiritual death. They might have, they might have experienced freedom from Egypt at that moment, but they still sinned, and they still died. My friends, what we needed was something a little bit more than just a simple lamb. What we needed was something more than just simply some un, unblemished male, just some, some freshly roasted mutton. We needed something deeper. We needed something stronger. And we needed basically somebody who was completely unblemished. We needed a human being. Somebody who was actually unblemished, not just in body, but in soul. And that's what Jesus Christ was. My friends, Jesus Christ came into this world, and he himself became that lamb. He became the Lamb of God, who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. It's this Passover feast that Jesus is celebrating, but he's not really celebrating the formal Passover feast, if you will. He's, not, he's doing something a little bit different from what, what, our, what our rabbi is doing over the Seder meal, because what he's doing is he's not just celebrating the Jewish Passover feast, he's celebrating his Passover, where he would pass from, from, from life on earth to life in heaven, basically from death into life, where he would pass from this world into the next. And essentially what he was doing is he came in to celebrate the Passover feast, but he did something before that happened. He did something before he basically, he, he confected the Eucharist, before he established the priesthood, before he basically looked, he took bread and said, this is my body which will be given up for you. He did something before that, and it's something that you and I are called to do before we receive communion as well. He essentially, he washed his disciples' feet. Now you may be looking at this and like, well, I mean, is that, is that a rule? Like, do we, are we supposed to wash our feet before we receive, we receive communion? The Muslims do that, and maybe we should do that. That's not what Jesus is exactly saying. You see, my friends, Jesus washed the, the feet of his disciples, but what he said something, while he was doing, he said something interesting. He said, what I do now... You do not understand now, but you will understand later. What I do now, you do not understand now, but you will understand later. And then what does he do? He goes to Peter to wash his feet, and then Peter says, No, you will never wash my feet. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus says something scary. He says, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. You will not receive eternal life. You will not receive my promises. You will not know what it's like to experience the gates of heaven. You will, not, you will experience death. You will essentially, the angel of death will come and wipe out your soul. That's what he says. That's what Jesus says to Peter whenever Peter refuses to have his feet washed. And then he counters. Peter, in classic Peter fashion, says, well, you know what? Don't just wash my feet. Wash me all over. And then, he, then Jesus says something interesting, something even weirder, something even more cryptic. He says something that doesn't really comprehend. He says, whoever has bathed has no need except, his feet to except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. What does that mean? And St. Augustine points out what that means. St. Augustine was illustrating that the, the desire of Peter to wash his whole body by the, by, the, by the hands of Jesus has already been fulfilled. Where? the sacrament of baptism. My friends, we don't re-baptize in the church. That's not something that we do. 
That is, that is, that is a, a principle that, that does not exist. Why? Because of this passage. Once you have been washed, you are clean all over, but not all. In other words, you, you, need to, you need to at least have your feet washed. So what does that look like? What does that look like? If, 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 what does that mean to have your feet washed? And St. Augustine boils it down very, very clearly. This washing of the feet, which we only do once a year and is really optional, that Jesus commands us to do, to the point where if we don't do it, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's, what he's actually saying, what he's implying, is that the washing of the feet is the sacrament of confession. Is the sacrament of confession. Baptism, baptism washes the body. It washes us of what's known as our original sin, the, the, the doom in which, which Adam gave us, which we're all born into. It washes us of that so that we become, can become children of God. But the reality is, we commit actual sin along the journey. And along this journey, what happens? Our feet get messy, our feet get dirty, and we need them to get mighty clean before we receive the Eucharist. We need them to be ultimately purified. And that's what confession is. Confession is where you and I go before the Lord to his representative in Christ, even though very unworthy, even though extremely the lowest of the low, we go before him to have our feet washed so that we can partake in the Passover of Jesus Christ so that we too can pass over. So that we too can pass over, not from death, but into life. My friends, that's the beauty of this incredibly rich feast. That's the beauty of Holy Thursday. It's so many sacraments packed in one. It's the priesthood, it's the, it's the Eucharist, and it's the beauty of confession. So my friends, as we gather here together, maybe we reflect on how you and I, and maybe how God is calling us to a deeper sense of confession, how he's calling us a deeper communion. Because, by the way, while we're doing adoration, at least for the first part, I will be in the back Happily hearing confessions, I'll hear confessions all night if need be. No problem, I'll do it gladly. But I will be there doing so. And ultimately, so that why? So that we can have our feet washed. So whenever it comes time, ultimately, to go before the just judge, whenever it comes time for us to go before the Lord, we will be able to receive our inheritance.